the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you today. We have another gangbuster show. And let me remind you, go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and sign up there for the daily emails and uh, you will get in the loop on everything you need to know of what's happening at any given time in this uh, country. It's uh, very good stuff. So thank you, um, as always, for tuning in. Hey, we will um, we will uh, visit today with a new guest, uh, Tristan Justice, about his uh, legal work and what he's up to. A very interesting man. And we will also uh, uh, catch back up with Andrew Krapuschetz, who runs RedBalloon.Work, the uh, effort to have sane work, you know, non-woke work. And he's a guy that matches up people uh, to work. It's like it's a job site, uh, but it's a job site for the people that don't want to be persecuted and targeted and all the rest. Very interesting man. Very interesting man and an interesting movement. And I'll tell you, um, I visited with him before we set up that interview uh, about helping uh, specifically with folks who have job issues uh, like the January 6th defendants, families who are needing jobs and they lost their jobs, their uh, husband or, or, or sometimes their wife, but mostly husband lost their job. So he's been willing to help with that. So he's a great guy. All right. Uh, what you need to know today, obviously um, – we uh, are waiting and watching and uh, and paying attention to uh, the politics of all these things. We'll see. But I just want to point out to you how lame the lame duck session is. And by that, I mean how bad it is. I don't know why they're being a little bit clever. But lame duck session, the lame duck session is the time period after an election before the next Congress takes office. So after the November election in the U.S. Congress, there are now members who are still voting. They're voting on bills. They're uh, they're in committees. Uh, they're voting people out of committee. Con- you know, confirming whatever. They all their their duties continue until January, but for all of the late the latter part of November and all of December, they have ju- they have constitutional authority, but they are not accountable to anyone because either they lost their race or they're retiring, and either way. They are dangerous. They are dangerous, meaning this. When someone is in office and they have an election or even when they're in office and they're they're getting a, a successor. And in my home state of Missouri, Eric Schmidt, our attorney general, was running to succeed Roy Blunt. And it while it didn't turn out to be close, in the days and weeks up to the election, uh, Roy Blunt, whose seat it was, campaigned for Eric Schmidt, in part because the last thing you want to do is leave office and have the seat flipped to someone else. That's That's at least the way you think. I mean, again, politicians and elected officials think in certain patterns. And when you see the patterns and understand them, you can adjust how you uh, uh, operate in relation to them. So that's very common. Uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, Senator Toomey left and he had an interest in trying in getting his successor to be to uh, win. That didn't work. But so you see my point. So now what is a lame duck session? What happens is things that are really hard that could not be done or things that are really bad that are bad for the country and would be unpopular are not done until after the election. 
And so what we have seen now is that the Republicans, a number of them, departed from what I would say is the conservative orthodoxy on marriage and, and, and instead signed on to vote as Republicans to allow a disrespect of marriage act. We've talked about that a little bit. But he, here's where it gets even worse. In the last 24 or 36 hours, Republican Senator of North Carolina, Tom Tillis, announced that with Democrat Senator from Arizona, Kristen Sinema, they have an idea, a deal on amnesty for illegals. So we have an open, broken border with no accountability or transparency. We don't know who's coming across the border. We don't know what's happening. This is right now. We have millions and millions coming. And the, and the North Carolina Republican senator says, ha, huh, why don't we uh, have amnesty? And I'll, I'll, I'll work with a Democrat on amnesty. How terrible is this? Now, there's lots of reasons why it's terrible. I don't even want to go into that. What I want to point out to you is that this is what happens in a lame duck session. This is what's, stake and what's at stake. And here's another thing. They're going to pass another bill. I think they are uh, with more money for uh, Ukraine, billions of dollars again. And, and here's what they're going to do in this one. They're, they're not going to tell you that inside it will be tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions of, of personal goodies, so-called earmarks is what you used to call them, who will be that will be given uh, to uh, different people, especially retiring senators. So when you're retiring, you get to say, you know, I really wanted to fund that bridge. They're going to name it after me or that school or this project or whatever. It's insane what's happening in this country and with the money, especially. And the lame duck session is absolutely one of the most dangerous times. Now, the other part of it is think about late November and early December for normal people. They've got kids in school. Their kids are in school. They're often pushing towards exam time and they're getting some, you know, accountability on their school year. That's how a family operates. I mean, at least talking about my own. But you also then have the stress of Thanksgiving, family time, lack of family time, functional, dysfunctional. And then you have Christmas and you have Christmas at a time where it's at least uncertain, if not pretty uh, bleak in terms of the economy. I had more than one conversation in the last 40, 48 hours with a friend, uh, well, one friend and two people I didn't know well about the problem of the cost of food, that they feel it deeply, really. They're not, it's not like, oh, milk is up to, a, you know, up by 10 cents. It's, wait a second, when I go to buy, in fact, who, who put someone, someone put it on uh, Twitter that it was famous. He bought a, a dozen eggs and he couldn't believe it cost $7. I forget who that was now. But my point here is we have a problem in this lame duck session and it's going to get worse. Now, what has to happen is on this amnesty for illegal aliens, there has to be enough of us that are able to get away from our busy lives and, and crazy, you know, end of the year, people are still, they'd have to do their taxes, they have to do their uh, retirement funds, they have to do all the kinds of things that people are doing. Across the spectrum of what I'd say is normal Americans, if you're low income, you've got stresses in your family because you're getting ready for Christmas and it's such a stupid materialist culture, you feel bad about things. If you're working class and middle class, you're trying to figure out, could you put a little money away in savings? Could, could you do, could you get a SEP? Uh, could you, oh, can you give away, give 529 plans for your kids for the future, for college or whatever? So you get the point. The lame duck session is scary beyond belief. It, it, it should be a focus of a lot of our concern, and it's certainly a worry. Now, I think the amnesty thing, if we get enough attention, will stop. But what's next? I mentioned to you, there'll be money, money giveaways. There'll be uh, bureaucratic giveaways. There'll be, uh, uh, you know, what will there be environmental? I mean, remember that the Democrats still control both houses. The, until January, they control both houses. I mentioned yesterday that 
the uh, select committee of the House, which has done the January 6th boondoggle, the show trials, they're going to go and send all their documents and paperwork over to the Department of Justice. They're going to ship it down the street, down uh, uh, down across town, down uh, Constitution Avenue to the Department of Justice and make sure it's out of the building so that the next guys that come in. So there's a bunch of stuff that is, is going to be done also uh, that is practically to try to beat the power of the incoming Republican House. And I'm reminded of a story uh, I was told, uh, a, a, and I don't think any reason to think it's not factually true. When Donald Trump won the election in 2016, in November, there is similarly a lame duck period for the executive, right? Because you win in November, you take office in January. So you've got two and a half months of, of, of a lame duck bureaucracy, lame duck, lame duck deep state. And I was told reliably by a friend of mine who went to work in the State Department that when Obama law, uh, when uh, Trump won and Hillary lost, that the, the, um, that there was a rapid and systematic transition of political appointees to the Department of Justice to non-political appointees, meaning make them career positions so they couldn't get fired or pushed out when they came over. So you might be in a political position that's like a deputy secretary or something, and you've got all the clearances and all the things, you're in the system, but that's not a permanent position. So instead, you transition to another position. Maybe you even take a little less money, but now you're in the career bureaucracy and protected, right? That lame duck period is happening in the U.S. House as they get ready to hide whatever they've been doing as Democrats and, and give over power to the Republicans because all the kinds of things that are controlled right now by Pelosi, the, the uh, security apparatus of the Capitol, uh, all of the different committees, they have a system to protect themselves. Lame duck is bad news. Lame duck is bad news, especially in the weaponized America where government is being used against us so dramatically, and we see it. All right, we got to run. We'll come back. We, we've got, I mentioned, we've got a couple of great guests, Andrew Krapyshets, about how to work in this environment, and also Tristan Justice. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'm very interested to visit with our next guest uh, and uh, grateful that we could grab him. Uh, Tristan Justice wrote a piece over at uh, uh, thefederalist.com. The federal, the if you don't read that, you're being dumb, as I talked about him before. And uh, uh, the title is Musk Admits Twitter Has, uh, excuse me, Musk Admits Twitter, quote, has interfered with elections. And we've talked a little bit about this. It was a tweet. I think Musk uh, communicates by tweet now. And uh, Tristan Justin is a Western correspondent for The Federalist, written over the Washington Examiner, Daily Signal, all over the place. Uh, you see his work at Justice Tristan on Twitter. Welcome, uh, Tristan, first of all. And uh, second of all, how surprised? I mean, this is what we thought, right? How surprised were you when uh, Musk tweeted this? <laughs> well, anyone who's paying attention already knew that Twitter was interfering in our elections. Um, it was brazenly obvious back in October 2020 when 
weeks before voters finished casting their ballots, and I say finished casting their ballots because they are already voting by mid-October. Um, weeks before the election day, however, uh, Twitter actually suppressed those to those two major stories from the New York Post outlining corruption in the Biden family from uh, the New York Post. And so uh, it, it has always been brazenly obvious Twitter was interfering in our elections. That was just the big, biggest example in that election. They were suppressing and, and censoring uh, Donald Trump and conservative accounts all throughout the election in 2020, uh, all the way from the spring to the fall. And so I, I can't say I was surprised at all, but uh, what is striking here is that we ha- now have the CEO of the company admitting it, even though he just took over a month ago. Do you think, um, first of all, what happens when we see why it happened? Is there is there something? Does it, does it, I, I guess maybe there's a, um, a, a small p political, not necessarily partisan, although it would appear partisan. There'll be a political response, right? Legislatures and people will do something. I mean, what what else could happen? There's nothing you can do to unring a bell. I mean, is there any, anybody? Do you think that he's going to expose something that's going to make us all see and understand something? It's not going to create any liability for anyone, is it? <laughs> well, I think a lot of people are on their uh, on their feet about what's going to come out in the Twitter files. We saw Elon Musk this week tease that he was going to be uh, unveiling a treasure trove of documents from uh, of internal documents with, from within the company, uh, just outlining and it, really offering that transparency that he promised about how the company is making decisions to the past few elections. And so, you know, I, I think you know any curious journalist, myself included, really wants to dig into those files and take a look. You know, how was Twitter actually making those decisions, and how brazenly political was it? I mean, it was clearly partisan. We saw how Twitter didn't didn't censor Joe Biden once throughout the entire 2020 election, actually waited a year and a half after his inauguration to actually start tagging his, his tweets, um, which we saw days before the midterms here when they made a post about inflation. Um, but no, I, I think uh, there, a lot's going to come out in these Twitter files if they actually do come out. Who knows? Elon Musk could be trolling the media and he could just be you know, clamoring for attention. But I do think he has some, some commitment to restoring free speech. And I do think transparency is part of that so um liability i'm not sure it's, it's probably more for a lawyer to answer um but i wouldn't be surprised if people at twitter who left the company are starting to lawyer up uh again we're, we were uh, we we're talking with uh, tristan justice uh, and um so um if it's true about twitter i mean it feels true about everybody else too doesn't it i mean if we have it, it, you know um Jeff Zuckerberg and his wife spent over $400 million through a nonprofit. I don't think anyone's alleged it was illegal, although in places it looks close. Um, But they clearly had a preference in the 2020 election. Um, Why wouldn't the um, same kind of thing be playing out there? I mean, it, it seems likely and it seems likely at Google and YouTube, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the reality is uh, only Twitter, however, saw a leadership change that is actually at least right. publicly pledged to <laughs> right, change right. company practices. Facebook, Twitter, or excuse me, Facebook, Google, and the rest of the big tech, uh, you know, oligarchs are still under the same leadership that have been uh, ruling these tech giants over the 2020 and 2022 elections. And so, uh, you know, I think Twitter gets a spotlight for a lot of reasons. I think it's because leadership has changed, but it's also the most visible place for our censorship. I mean, this is a place, I mean, everyone and anyone and everyone who works in politics in some capacity or media is on Twitter. Its influence among the influencers is... uh 
is is is, is unmatched really uh and so uh you know i, I think apple uh, and, and all these other tech giants still engage in, in censorship it just happens to be backdoor censorship uh considering uh, their power over app stores and different different models but t- twitter just happens to be the most visible you describe in your piece uh, uh the uh, i think it's a podcast uh, i'm not sure let me make sure my notes uh, of kara swisher who is a a journalist who covers a lot of the tech stuff and has for a number of years in which she's talking with Yoel Roth, uh, who is now the former uh, top guy at, at Twitter um, and had control of the apparatus uh, called trust and safety, where you would, you know, where he had the ability to, to stop things from being seen or throttle them back or whatever. He's now saying publicly um, uh, he felt uncomfortable having removed the New York Post uh, article and the and the um, about the Hunter Biden laptop. First of all, what do you make of that? He's on a tour to tell people what he did was wrong i mean again i don't know if he's lawyering i don't see i don't know if there's liability for doing that um i I don't know what he's doing (laughs) uh well i i i i I think we're finally having a reckoning here but i also think he's trying to cover his own skin i mean who knows here there was not an ounce of evidence that the hunter Biden laptop was actually a vehicle for russian disinformation and of course twitter employed selectively uh you know uh, selective standards uh, to to enforce their so-called hacked hacked materials uh, policy and so, uh, no, I mean, a lot of people, there's just been this mass exodus from the company. And now uh, that, you know, that things are going to come wide open with new leadership unveiling what Twitter is actually doing. And he's probably going to be at the center of these these Twitter files coming out. It is going to be interesting to watch. Um, I am um, I'm, I'm wondering what you think the next shoe to drop is. We haven't seen the actual documents from uh, from Musk. Are you hearing anything about what what is he? He says he's going to publish them probably on Twitter. Right. Uh, what are you hearing on that? Well, he'll definitely publish them on Twitter. I think Elon Musk is, I think his own activity on Twitter is just to bring more people, more users onto the platform. So I yeah. think there is a level of curiosity among people out there. So they're signing up on Twitter and signing in to see what he's saying. Yeah. I mean, uh, but what are you hearing? I mean, is he coming? Is he going to, is he going to publish him there? I mean, he'll, if he's got emails back and forth saying, let's do this, let's do that. Isn't that likely what we're going to see? And, and he's going to publish it there. Are you, are you hearing that? Uh, well, I would imagine that's how he would go about doing it, posting this on Twitter and, 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 and putting it out there. I, I don't know. I probably imagine. I imagine it'll be a Dropbox file posted on his own Twitter feed or something along those lines. Yeah, it is. Um, you were you alluded to in the uh, in the um, uh, in the uh, your piece again. We're talking with uh, Tristan Justice about about it. at the very end. You were alluded to the fact that uh, Media Research Center looked at uh, Biden voters, and you sort of are basically describing it came down to forty three thousand votes in twenty twenty. Right? I mean, that's how what Biden won the White House. Um, and you you have to sort of shake your head and say, did it make a difference to that many? I, it, it feels like it did, right? Well, we actually have multiple studies out there, multiple polls showing that it, it did have, have an impact. Uh, Biden only won the White House by less than 43,000 votes across three tipping point states. And you have multiple surveys out there showing single voters uh, did say they would have changed their mind on Joe Biden had they been adequately informed about the different scandals surrounding the family. And so uh, we, we have evidence of that. And so I think big tech uh, really did rig that election. It was not a fair election. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's um, and we're finding out all this uh, time later, all this, as you point out, at least as you point out, we are finding out because of Musk's uh, the change of leadership. We'd never find out in the other ones. All right. Uh, I'm going to let you go. I'll let you run. Tristan Justice is over at the Federalist.com. If you go to the Federalist.com and I'll put up on social media his piece there. Uh, he writes over there at Justice Tristan on Twitter, what we're talking about, uh, and uh, the Federalist.com again. Thank you, sir, for your time. 
Thank you for having me. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. We come back. I'll put that up on social media. I, I'm interested to see as soon as we get that. You, you heard me asking. As soon as we get that link um, to uh, to or how how Musk decides to publish it um, and what the details will be. Will it be emails back and forth between um, top people saying, let's do this, let's do that? Will it be uh, requests? I mentioned before Jen Psaki, um, who was a, a Biden administration official uh, while in office. She's been subpoenaed about some things and she's fighting any deposition because I, she doesn't want to have to answer questions. Well, will there be people that are, are showing uh, in the Musk back and forth? It's going to be a surprise to me if the people at Twitter who had the run up, the warning that Musk was buying the company didn't get rid of a lot of stuff. And maybe we'll never know. Uh, the paper trail or something. Maybe he put it back together. Maybe he's got the ability or maybe when he made the bid under SEC rules, they couldn't uh, allow stuff to happen. But I think it still would have anyway. I mean, I knowing knowing uh, wrongdoers and people there, they're not going to leave themselves hanging out to dry. So we'll see. We'll find out about that. Uh, and it's uh, going to be interesting to see. OK, we will take a break. When we come back, we got a lot more. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the daily email there, the daily wink, what you need to know. And and uh, you'll get it in your inbox, 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time. I'll be right back. Ed Martin, Pro-America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend, Andrew Krapuschetz. He is the uh, founder and the CEO uh, of an organization. I got to tell you, I was um, uh, I was uh, telling someone about this, Andrew, the other day, and I and they had not heard it was. And I'll tell you the story. It might I might. Well, will I tell you the whole story. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and, and they said they hadn't heard about it. And when I described it, it was they, they got more and more excited. Uh, and that is um, they were like, what do you mean that? exists and i said yeah it exists it's succeeding it's all over the place and so uh, red balloon is what it's called you can go to bread balloon dot i get it right work let bread balloon dot work uh andrew krabbysets is the founder and the ceo how are you sir I'm doing really well. Nice to talk to you, Ed. Nice to talk to you. When you watch the um, uh, Twitter stories come out, you know that the premise of Red Balloon, um, as I've heard you talk about it, was that you wanted to give a place where people could actually do their work. It could be uh, and not worry about the wokeness. When you look at Twitter and you realize that it was like. And there were a lot of employees, a lot of them gone now, but a lot of employees and it was everywhere. This sort of wokeness is hard to picture how you could survive if you weren't sort of really woke there. And now what I, my question to you, though, Andrew, is, is that what people are going through in a lot of places and we didn't know it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. It the the Twitter sphere um, was actually not alone. Um, even though we see these stories, you know, I saw a video of Elon Musk who found a closet full of hashtag Stay Woke T-shirts at Twitter, and he's like, "Look, this is what I'm dealing with here." And he really just needed to kind of clean house in that organization because um, it was this toxic work environment. But when I was, um, I owned a company once that uh, that LinkedIn was looking to buy. And when I was there, they said, you know, it's great being in a social media place, even LinkedIn, who we think of as a little bit more neutral. They said, look, LinkedIn is an opportunity for you to really push your worldview. Um, and I was like, wow, uh, I thought we were just a social network for professionals. Uh, but they <laughs> see these tools as opportunities to push on things. And I think, you know, uh, the stories we're hearing out of these companies where uh, people are being told, take down that American flag 
flag off your background because it's triggering to employees because it is a signal of white supremacy um, or this new thing that they're trying to say is that if you misgender someone, yeah. it is actually sexual harassment and it is a federal crime and you can get fired over not using the made up weaponized pronoun that some coworker came up with. Well, and and the guy that the guy that Yoel Roth is that his name? Who was the Twitter head of security and censoring? He he actually did an interview. Forget about what he said and written. He did an interview in the last few days where he said out loud that the, that a satire site was misgendering satire, misgendering, yes. and therefore it was. Tri- I think he used the word triggering. This was, was a top guy at a, at a big time multi, you know, b- billion. I don't know how many a huge company, and right. he says. That it was I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, and my point there is, Andrew, sometimes you're like, oh, they were really doing that. We thought they were doing it. It sounded like they were doing it. We were doing it. And then I say, oh, are they doing it everywhere? Yeah. No, they really are doing it everywhere. And yeah. He came out and basically said people like Babylon B were dangerous yeah. to America. It was dangerous to America to make a joke about something that is one of the taboo things that they've decided that you're not allowed to touch. Um, and absolutely. I mean, I'm hearing stories from Microsoft and Deloitte and Google and just everywhere. I, I talked to an employee recently. He said the CEO got up and pointed at every employee in the room and said, you are all racist. It's just a scale of one to 10, how racist you are, but you're all racist. And when you're told that, do you, Ed, do you think it's demoralizing at work to be told you're a racist no matter what you have done, what you think, who you are? Um, and, and and this guy was telling me, he's like, I have got to get out of this company. I've got to find a, find a place where I can be free because if I can be free at work, then I think I'm going to have a much better chance of being free in my decisions at the polls, um, in my family, at my church, in my community, because a vocation is a really important part of who someone is. And when you tear people down at work, when you yeah, um, exactly. tell them they're not allowed to live their values out loud, it's going to impact every other aspect of their life. Well, again, we're talking with Andrew Krapuschetz. He's the, he's the founder and the CEO of a Red Balloon. And you go to redballoon.org. Can you look at the front page here? Find workplace freedom, free speech, no mandate jobs posted daily. America's employers want you. It's it's really interesting. But, Andrew, um, that's uh, – it, it, it's – What's happening is so f- strange and fast um, is what's, you know, the speed of it all. Now, I want you to remind me, because every time I have you on and I look at this website, I, I, I ask this question, but I think people want to know it. If you're at a business or you're a CEO and you're caught in a trap where you have to look woke, you can be on Red Balloon looking for workers. You have a way that they can be uh, anonymous, right? That you can come in there and if you need to, you can be looking you know, for you can be ultimately have to reveal yourself to the worker, obviously, but but you, right. you have that happen all the time, right? Absolutely. So, well, we've probably got a couple dozen businesses that do what we call anonymous balloon, where they realize that, you know what, we're going to be doxxed by our customers, by our vendors, by any of these people, even though we just simply want to hire people who are hardworking conservatives, because I had one employer uh, reach out to me and say, you know what, um, Andrew, every time I hire someone off redballoon.work, it is cleansing to our culture, because they're just a hardworking conservative who wants to bring a lot of value. And so, Ed, one of the things that we're starting to do, and this is new since I 
think the last time I talked to you is we had businesses come to us and say, look, the interview process is terrifying. It really is terrifying because you don't know what's going to get you a lawsuit, but you don't want to get the wrong person inside your four walls because you know a bad hire will really wreck your culture. And so what redballoon.work now will do is if you come to us, we will write your job postings for you. We'll put them in front of the largest database of Patriot job seekers, but then we'll actually do the first cultural interview for you. Uh, We have some great lawyers on staff. We will understand your company culture. We'll have a pre-call with you. And then we'll actually use as a filter to make sure that you have the right people that come into your company. And so we can take a lot of the stress out of that hiring process because I will tell you, hiring a bad worker, a woke worker who's trying to bring their political activism to your office will wreck your business. And if we can come alongside people and help with that, um, it is just a joy and a pleasure to be able to do that. It's uh, I think I do this and I know you're a good salesman. You're a businessman, but I've asked you and you kind of you've had the you've answered it in a way that I think is honest, which is what I appreciate. But business for you is good. Right. Meaning people are searching for this product. I know you started this because you, you'd run other businesses. and you, But I mean, it's working. Right. And and people are energized to come to red balloon dot work and look and, and put these together. Right. Absolutely. No. And it's, it's so fun to get these thank you notes from people who are like, man, you changed the trajectory of my family. Cause I now work for someone who is not trying to tear me down all day. Doesn't hate my worldview, but actually just wants to support me. And these notes are like, I had no idea what an impact it had on every other aspect of my life when my freedoms are taken away in the workplace. And Ed, here's the thing. Um, if you look at um, higher education or you look at the media, the left has been pretty entrenched there for a long time, but the workplace place is kind of their most recent conquest, which means they're not as entrenched there as they are in other places. And there's a lot of capitalists still in the workplace and running businesses today. And so if we can come along those businesses that really are striving to have a great culture that is serving their customers, is joyful, um, we are the place where they can find great workers. We'll help them with their process. And yes, business has been phenomenal. It's been so good to come alongside big business little businesses who say, you know what? I want a great culture. I want great employees. And if I can have that, I can live the American dream, even in the midst of a very woke America that we're in right now. It's um, well, and I think, uh, Andrew, again, uh, what's the next, you know, um, uh, uh, the uh, am I going to even get it right? What was the, the it's called the um, the movement to have these uh, I- I- diversity and uh, an environment and uh, green. Oh, energy. the ES, the ESG, ESG craziness. E- yeah. ESG. It seems to be sort of imploding. People are like, yeah, OK, but if you make me do that and I lose money in my fund, BlackRock, you guys are really dumb and, and it doesn't make sense. Right. So there's something going on there. But can do you have any sense that some of the wokeness, it, it, the trend is going the other way? I, I was with somebody yesterday, a very pretty savvy conservative, and he, he disagreed around a table, a few of us, and said, you know, I, I don't think I think it's still on the march. You, you see these instances of people, you know, w- winning back, but it's on the march. What, do, you, do you feel like we're I don't know that the, the, the winds are changing a bit or is it sort of, you know, get to where you can be uh, take care of yourself? Yeah, I'm going to give you a mixed answer on this. I think it's it's bifurcating. It's not, uh, I'd say the right is marching farther right and the left is marching farther left. And honestly, we don't want a divided America, but I think that's the world that we're in right now. And we're seeing that with population shifts where you see people in this great sort moving down to red states, um, over, over to red states like Idaho, where I live. Um, and then people actually moving to blue states when they want the politics to align more with what their worldview is. And we're seeing this with companies 
employees as well. And so I think what's happening is you're having conservative businesses being like, you know what? I am tired of this. I'm going to go to a redballoon.work. I'm going to get the best talent that really brings joy to the workplace. And then you have people who are really leaning into um, this woke ideology. I heard about a company recently that basically said, look, sexual harassment includes if you misgender someone on purpose. And if you do, we're going to fire you for that. So they've weaponized these pronouns. And this is the this is a new thing at that company. So they're just introducing this new policy at an organization. So I would say it really is a mixed bag where you've got the left companies are going farther left and the right's going farther right. Um, and I think that's unfortunately kind of the tale of our country right now and the tale of two cities. Um, now, the red states are winning, as we know, with great job numbers, with great economy numbers. And I would say the conservative businesses, the red businesses are winning as well, because when you don't have office politics, when you just have a great company culture where you're serving your customers, living the American dream, um, you're going to win in the marketplace. You're going to win in the long run. So it's been fun to serve those businesses. But yeah, I'd say it's a mixed bag right now. All right. I know you're busy and you've got to go. Andrew Krapyashets is the CEO and the founder of RedBalloon.Work. If you go there, you'll see find workplace freedom, free speech, no mandate jobs posted daily. America's employers want you. Uh, lots of testimonials and lots there. Uh, check it out. Uh, thank you, Andrew. As always, I appreciate it and I appreciate you guys, especially taking the time out in the fray talking about it. Uh, you know, you, you, you get some blowback yourself, I know. And uh, so we appreciate your courage in that. And we'll talk again very soon. Thanks so much, Ed. Have a great day. You too. Andrew Krapyshets, everybody, and I will put over on social media uh, links to um, uh, the uh, what he said. We've had him on before. He's got great uh, insight on this whole thing and sort of a upbeat conservative voice or upbeat uh, um, uh, mindset on how to fight back and what to do and to do things as opposed to just feeling bad or, or thinking bad and worrying um, get you going. So we'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by opposing radical feminism and representing a traditional conservative perspective in our nation's capital. And now from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Today, December 7th, is the anniversary of the surprise Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, a day that President Roosevelt said will live in infamy. The lesson we should take away from that event is that we should always be prepared for a surprise attack. After all, we live in a world where a lot of evil countries just don't like America and are jealous of our power. In the modern world of technology, the most important defensive weapon to protect the American people is anti-missile defense. That's what Ronald Reagan called for in a famous speech in 1983. It's a purely defensive weapon. It is not built to kill anybody. It's just built to save lives. What an anti-missile does is shoot down intercontinental ballistic missiles when they're flying through space to hit us and destroy them before they reach us. It's like hitting a bullet in flight with another bullet. We know we can do this because we've developed and tested our anti-missile technology. But there's still a lot more to do to get our system operational. And if Barack Obama gets his way, we never will. He's using the terrible national debt and deficits as arguments to cut the military budget. Meanwhile, other countries, especially China and Iran, are rushing fast with tremendous military buildup 
that poses a big threat to our national security and even to our survival. We should remember that the duty to provide for the common defense, as stated in the American Constitution, is one of the first and most important duties of our government. It's the one thing that individuals cannot do for ourselves. We need government to do it. On Pearl Harbor Day, we should remember that George Washington gave us the best advice. If we desire to secure peace, it must be known that we are at all times ready for war. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, let's follow up on something on, um, on I think, um, well, yesterday's show. I visited with Ryan Height, the communications director of the, uh, of the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. We were talking about the um, uh, Trump tweet over the weekend where the media has gone crazy. They, they are now working their way through this week uh, on Monday and Tuesday, asking members of Congress and other prominent people, do you denounce uh, Donald Trump's call to uh, to dispense with the Constitution. And everybody's like, what? What are you talking about? And eventually they get a couple of people like Mitt Romney to say, anyone that wants to get rid of the Constitution is bad by me. OK, good, Mitt. Thanks for thanks for playing Mitt. Uh, now, here's the funny thing. Interesting thing. I guess late Monday, Donald Trump on Truth Social sort of clarified. He said something like the fake news is out there saying I want to get rid of the Constitution. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can't have a system where the elections are so broken that 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 they're not working. You, in fact, you don't have a constitution. Now, let me pause and tell you, I, I am. I mentioned I'm in uh, the middle of America this week, and I was at a meeting in Missouri with a friend of mine, a very prominent, well, a very successful businessman. Say it that way. A, a guy that I admire very much for his wisdom. He's just a smart man, and he's also, I don't know, seventy-five years old, and he has he has the length of years, which has brought some wisdom to him. And so he says to me, Ed. He said, what shreds the Constitution, what actually shreds it is crooked elections. He said, because then you actually have in power people who did not deserve to be there. He said, it, it, and he made this point. He said, if you picture a tree, a tree, the Constitution is a tree. If you saw off a limb of the tree, you may damage the tree. And, and it could even end up being fatal. You don't know. But if you poison the roots, the tree dies, guaranteed. And his point was, uh, this is my extension, by the way, this is my metaphor of his, his, his line was simply that you're shredding the Constitution when you have bad elections because you're putting in the wrong people and then they're leading. But I, this is my metaphor now on the tree, the Constitution, the tree, uh, the Constitution as a tree. If you have the First Amendment, which is an awesome branch off the tree, awesome strength a branch that we hang a lot of freedoms on right we we we, we that's a wrong, maybe a wrong maybe we're using the wrong for, uh, metaphor but on there you have your 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 second amendment has a freedom uh, of of all the others are related in terms of the strength it's an important branch it's an important limb of our tree our constitutional tree 
However, if you cut it off, you might be limited and you might eventually have a problem, right? But if you have a First Amendment uh, branch, if you have a, a free association branch, if you have a, uh, uh, a Fifth Amendment branch, if you have other branches, they may strengthen the tree enough that it can continue to grow and maybe it can grow back the, the limbs it needs. If you poison the roots, you can't recover. You can't recover. And, and so what we have is broken elections, actually stolen elections, and this is what Trump clarified effectively, that they are a threat to the Constitution. They are getting rid of the Constitution. And this is classic, classic uh, uh, leftist, you know, the, I call it the protection, excuse me, the projection racket, the projection racket. What they're doing, they point to the other and say, you're doing that. So they point to Donald Trump and say, ah, you're advocating getting rid of the Constitution. And actually, they're the ones that refuse to allow an accountable and transparent election system. And so either we have a system that no one can trust or, and this is even more troubling, it's what Trump uh, 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 led to, uh, uh, alluded to, it's even more troubling. So it's either one, you either have a system no one can trust, which is bad enough, or the second, and it seems more evidence is leaning this way, you have a system that has been rigged in such a way that the improper people are in power. That's what the evidence in the Twitter scandal shows. That's what the evidence in the growing realization that the intelligence community lied publicly. So Trump clarified and said, don't, don't tell me I'm getting, I want to get rid of the Constitution. Don't tell me that. I'm saying that if you have no elections where the wrong people are put in power, you're, you're destroying. You're shredding the Constitution. That's what my friend said, this businessman. You shred the Constitution if you don't have real elections, honest elections, true elections, because the wrong people are in power and are therefore, at its heart, they're not doing what is supposed to be happening. It's extraordinary. Now, I think the Constitution had these choke points in it, including the Electoral College and others, that are meant to protect us. But Trump's point is one that's real as more evidence comes out. All right, that's all we got to run today. Thank you, Noah Dingley, our great producer. Uh, Ryan Hyde, associate producer, all you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.